Relations between my husband and myself haven't been good for years. To tell the truth, they've been positively rocky for the better part of our fifteen years together. When we met, it seemed like the right thing to do. It was one of those situations where I got pregnant very early, and we decided that we liked each other well enough to try and stick together forever. That is such a scary word for a girl in her late twenties, though, and I didn't fully understand what it meant at the time. To his credit, Rodney wanted to stay and help raise our son, Andrew, so we got married in a modern version of the old shotgun wedding, and off we went. Problems pretty much started from before we finished the wedding, and have continued ever since. You may ask why I didn't get the marriage annulled or get a divorce early, and that's a good question. The two answers I have aren't very good ones from where I stand today. First, I could say that I just never got that mad at Rodney for that long. The other reason is simply that I am stubborn and loyal at the same time. So, fifteen years passed and I found myself a wife and mother in my late thirties, with a fifteen-year-old boy whom I love dearly and a husband who I cannot stand. He doesn't pay attention to me or my needs, and never has since the first few years. I've pushed through by spending a lot of time with friends and throwing myself into my work. My work as the owner of a local gym just happens to be a key factor in an unfolding drama in my life recently, but more on that later. It took a lot of time for me to come to terms with the normal state of my marriage as cold and loveless. I tried to force every kind of counseling I could think of, with every therapist it we could afford, and more than a few. A heady mixture of ocean breezes mingled with baby powder, like fresh laundry swaying under a spring breeze, as soon as the heavenly aroma passed under my nose, my only wish was to fly from my desk and seek out the source. Naturally, that had to be the precise moment that I was chained to my desk via a conference call to the Chicago branch. Every time I tried to inch away yet somehow stay in range of the speakerphone, McCord asked for a new set of facts and figures— Damn me for not saving the info into my table. Clicking through the files, the scent stayed strong, and I craned my neck hoping to solve the mystery. One request for an Excel spreadsheet later, and the scent simply lingered before vanishing altogether. I practically jumped at McCord's declaration that we pick this up again next week, and didn't even wait through the series of goodbyes as I ended the call. On my feet? And more determined than ever, I stood in the doorway of my office and glanced up and down the checker-carpeted hallway, only Marissa from accounting padded by, and I headed out of the sea of cubicles. Nothing but familiar faces crossed my line of sight, and Kelly startled me with her squeaky voice as I turned my head. "'Anything you need, Miss Randolph?' she asked. "'I... What was I supposed to say? Did you happen to catch a whiff of the god that walked by my office? Definitely wouldn't trip off the tongue as easily as who's wearing the gold tie or the blue blazer. I'm fine, Kelly, I said. Lied. Just needed to stretch my legs. I get it, Kelly chirped. I've started forcing myself to walk around the building twice during my lunch hour. I read this thing about people in offices needing to take 
every chance to keep the blood circulating, so... Her voice became so much white noise as I glanced to the glass and looked across the atrium. I recognized Porter from HR and Wilson from IT. Their colognes were as familiar to me as their faces, a combination of Axe body spray and cigarettes. And even if either one was trying something new, neither man was remotely up my alley.